to the J. Kim Show, Hong Kong's first dedicated podcast on investing in Asia. Join us as we survey the land and discover the greatest companies and most profitable investment opportunities in Asia. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insights to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. This week's show guest is David Rosa, co-founder and CEO of Neat. Neat is a Hong Kong-based fintech company that gives startups and SMEs an alternative to the traditional corporate bank account. Neat provides access to credit cards and traditional banking services, as well as startup-tailored solutions. David, welcome to the show. Hey, Jay. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, fantastic. I'm, I'm very excited, actually, to have you on because... Uh, because I've, I've heard a lot about your company and you're actually solving a, a huge pain point, particularly for people that are based in Hong Kong and are, are, are well aware of, of how difficult uh, sort of some of the startup uh, challenges are to, to set up bank accounts and this sort of thing. So anyway, uh, before we get into that, um, perhaps you could give us a little bit of background of yourself, introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, sure. So my background is 20 years in uh, financial services. Uh, I spent uh, 16 years at uh, Citigroup, starting in New York, then I moved to London, and then 17 years ago, uh, I moved to Hong Kong. Um, I used to be City's youngest managing director in Asia, and wow. then um, I moved to the buy side of the business, uh, setting up my own asset management company. Uh, and by doing so, I became uh, what's known here as a responsible officer. So this mm-hmm. is quite important because it's the most senior compliance title you can have in Hong Kong and something that's very relevant to what we do today at NEAT. I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, I ended up selling that asset management business uh, three and a half years ago, which is the time when I met my co-founder, who's the CTO of NEAT. Uh, and together we embarked on this journey. I can relate very, very much to your background because I spent uh, a career on the sell side as well, myself, and uh, currently I am working at a hedge fund, when, and I am also a responsible officer, so I, I know exactly uh, what you went through. And um, I, it sounds like you guys spun out and you decided to tackle perhaps one of the most challenging, uh, t- you know, avenues or niches that is is actually possible because, like you mentioned, the the high level of regulatory and and compliance that that needs to be addressed. So, um, w- what about what about about the niche caused you to say, I want to tackle this problem? I mean, you, you have such a, a broad background and, and very seasoned in finance and, and you could have probably done many th- different things. Um, why, why tackle this problem? So there's two primary reasons that, that drove me to, to, to tackle this issue. Uh, one is an extreme level of frustration with uh, technology in general, whether it was the sell side, but also the buy side. You know, the grass is always greener when, uh, when you're mm. sitting on some, you know, traditional type of job. Um, basically, I noticed that um, uh, systems were either patchworks of uh, older M&A transactions that happened and they just put, you know, bands, uh, rubber bands around them to, to make them work and try to talk to one another, right. uh, which was ridiculous. The highlight of that in, in my career on, on the banking front was... Uh, in 2008, at the height of, of that crisis, uh, went through several. But that one was particularly special because 
I had me and my team frantically compiling spreadsheets at like literally 2 a.m. here in Hong Kong to basically report risk to headquarters, which was in New York at the time. Right. By the time those spreadsheets reached New York and were recompiled and, and aggregated, the risk, of course, had changed, right? So it's like <laughs> driving a car and looking in the rearview mirror. And I, and I thought it was just so pointless. Uh, and right. it wasn't, you know, the only institution, all institutions pretty much on Wall Street were facing the same issue. And I thought that was really, really bad. Move to the buy side, nothing much better, to be honest, uh, leaner mm-hmm. kind of systems, but still very legacy. So I thought, you know, the best way to go about this one day, uh, at the time I was thinking, you got to start from scratch with an entirely new stack. And of course, I'm not a technical guy by, by, by background. Uh, I had to find a co-founder and I was really lucky to find Igor, who's my co-founder and CTO of Meet. So that was one. And the second one is that um, being closer and closer to the regulatory world as I progressed in my career, I noticed that regulations were changing, chief of which uh, I think uh, you know, was the, the, the regulators in the UK. Uh, the environment is very uh, pro-competition in the UK, again, a byproduct of the uh, 2008 financial crisis. But then mm-hmm. that kind of created ripple effects across regulators around the world. And the writing has been on the world. It's typically Asia is a follower, uh, especially, yes. uh, you know, given what happens in the UK. Um, and, and to me, you know, these e-money licensing, these lights kind of uh, banking licenses, junior banking licenses were going to come uh, online pretty quickly, and they did. So that's why we launched ourselves in that space, because to me, that was a big opportunity that as a total startup, you could actually make a, a big impact uh, and, and you know improve people's lives. Well, I, I, I believe that that's exactly what you guys are doing and will continue to do. So why don't we, why don't we jump right in? Uh, what is NEAT? Give us a general overview. Uh, maybe you can start with the name itself, because I've always been curious as to why it's called NEAT. Sure. Well, <laughs> kind of a, uh, a 3 a.m. kind of uh, you know, uh, result when I was just staring at the ceiling, couldn't fall asleep. And I'm, I thought, that's a pretty cool name. Let's check whether the domains are available and stuff like that. That's right. <laughs> history. Um, the, um, so we wanted something that you know, described the type of experience, uh, the type of emotion uh, that uh, we would want to deliver to our customers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and uh, so that's one. So what, what is NEAT? Well, NEAT is an alternative to a traditional bank account, simply put. Uh, we cannot call ourselves a bank for, from a regulatory point of view, um, and we offer an alternative to that. Uh, it's a purely digital solution, so you can open an account uh, remotely. Uh, it's all online. Uh, for business accounts, it takes 10 minutes uh, to apply for an account. Uh, and we verify the, uh, the application within 48 hours. Uh, for a personal account, it's a five-minute uh, application on an app. Uh, whether it's iOS uh, or Android. Uh, so it's, you know, very modern as an experience and, and something that's a bit revolutionary uh, out here, especially in Asia. Absolutely. And so uh, maybe you can also give us a, a brief sort of overview of the current, um, uh, let's say, regulatory and, and banking environment in Hong Kong. And so I, I alluded to it earlier where, uh, you know, one of the, the greatest challenges that uh, new businesses or, or even, you know, even subsidiaries of existing businesses that want to relocate and set up shop here in Hong Kong, uh, you know, certainly for startups who have no sort of history of uh, doing business, no invoices or receivables or any sort of thing like that, it is nearly impossible to open up a bank account in Hong Kong. Uh, and it's sort of a vicious circle. And I've personally experienced it myself trying to open up uh, accounts for, for my own personal businesses and, and stuff. 
uh, it's just it's just ridiculously hard. <laughs> so, um, and this is one of the big issues that we have actually in Hong Kong because it's driving away a lot of the talent that could actually be recruited to start you know this, these great companies here in Hong Kong. So maybe you could give us a little bit of an overview of of how how Hong Kong got to this place um, yeah. and exactly how Neat aims to help uh, you know help help that break through that challenge. Uh, absolutely. So look, I mean, first of all, I think the 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 word that is typically used in this context. Is compliance. That's why you know it's so difficult to to open uh, accounts mm. uh, for your average uh, SME or even startups. And that's not necessarily because your average you know company is dodgy, right? The reason is because of the costs that a traditional bank has to incur to put that application form through its own traditional compliance processes to you know onboard you and to maintain you. Right. Those costs are quite prohibitive. For companies, that, let's face it, young companies are not going to generate a lot of revenue for uh, you know whoever banks them. And so you know the unit economics uh, just don't stack up. It's basically a money losing business for for a traditional bank. I can tell you, I've been sitting on the other side of the table for many years. And so couple that with the fact that Hong Kong, although it's part of China, uh, it is ranked year in year out as the freest market economy in the world. Right. So in other words, the regulator cannot force you know the banks that operate in the free market to you know do the right thing from a social point of view because the banks turn around and say hey you cannot force us to lose money at the same time mm-hmm. so, therefore uh, to put it simply it is a space that the banks traditional banks though they don't advertise that they don't want to be in this business it makes no business sense okay <laughs> so it's it's therefore a very acute pain point because as an entrepreneur you know, you, you have taken the plunge, first of all, and you're lucky enough to have had product market fit. And now you have customers who are willing to pay you for your goods or services. But then again, now you cannot receive the payment. So how can you, you know, employ people and create new jobs? How are you going to create economic growth? That's yeah? right. so, so Hong Kong got to this point, um, one, because of clearly cost cutting all across. Let's not forget uh, Hong Kong, uh, on a global scale, is a world-class financial uh, you know, center. We have, I believe, 70% of uh, global banks having uh, either a uh, regional headquarter in Hong Kong or, or some kind of a presence. Mm-hmm. So you, everybody pretty much plays in the Hong Kong markets, and everybody is going through a drastic and continuous cost-cutting exercise. So that's really the ultimate driver. Uh, when people use the word compliance, I think it's being misused, right? The costs of compliance are really the driver. Right. That's very interesting. That's an interesting uh, uh, perspective because uh, I don't think that comes to mind uh, to, to sort of the ad- average user or, or per- applicant, if you will. Um, so so uh, you mentioned that you guys are not a bank. Uh, but p- potentially, you in the future, you would you would like to become a bank, or or that might, there might be a possibility. I I did read that uh, you know there's been a lot of buzz uh, recently about these sort of virtual banks that the HKMA uh, was was were trying to licenses they were trying to either give out or or bring online. Uh, what can you tell us about about that? And are you guys in the process of trying to apply for one of these licenses? So uh, thanks for raising the point. It's extremely exciting. First of all, that, you know, again, the, the, the regulators have, you know, followed effectively uh, what has been happening in uh, in the UK primarily, but then, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the Western Hemisphere, if you will, mm. uh, here. Um, so that's a great thing. Uh, we were really excited by the fact that uh, particularly the HKMA's um, angle for these virtual banking licenses, as they're known, was really financial inclusion, which is clearly what we do. 
Um, and yet, uh, what we discovered by going through the application process is that uh, to begin with, the minimum capital requirement uh, is quite high. Uh, in, it's equivalent to 40, 40 million US dollars of minimum capital. Wow. To put it in perspective, compares to 5 million euros in the eurozone. So, I mean, we're talking about magnitudes uh, of, of minimum capital that's much higher. Mm. And then anywhere from corporate governance all the way to technology security, actually the standards uh, for uh, these virtual banking uh, licenses are higher than a traditional uh, banking license in the market. Mm. And so what this translates to, unfortunately, is, again, a cost structure that though it's very likely to be lower than a traditional bank, because by the way, you're not going to need to have physical branches and in a place where you have the highest office rents in the world, Hong Kong, uh, that's going to be a cost saving, of course. But you're going to still have a cost structure that's going to price you out of the financial inclusion market. Now, a lot of people may not care, but we do. Right. So it's it's exciting because it's finally some you know, a jolt of, of, of uh, you know, modernization in, in the market. That's great. But it is and remains a big boy's game, which is disappointing. Sure. Yeah, that is disappointing. And I think that, uh, but but I'm, I'm glad that it's it's come to sort of a head. And this is a, this could be a good uh, ra- a point to raise. And hopefully it'll get on the, the radar of the HKMA. Maybe they can help relax some of the... Uh, capital requirements necessary for for virtual bank licenses so so let's let's actually dig into to neat and and your business structure and uh, your business model and exactly how you are able to operate in this sort of uh, in between sort of space where you're not actually a bank but you're still able to provide uh, very valuable uh, services that that startups and SMEs actually need uh, to carry on their business. So so can you explain to us uh, sort of the basic business model and then maybe you could walk us through a little bit of the user experience. Let's say I'm a startup and I want to onboard to your platform. How can we do that? How can how can you help me with uh, growing my business? Sure. So uh, let me go back to the earlier point I made uh, of the compliance angle, right? So mm-hmm. compliance is our angle of attack in this market. So we took this very, very seriously uh, the moment we were at the idea stage. We you know, devoted a lot of resources uh, into building uh, effectively a world-class KYC, so the Know Your Customer mm-hmm. process, as well as, as an AML and transaction monitoring. So AML is anti-money laundering right. and a transaction monitoring uh, system uh, that are basically you know, requirements to be legitimately in the business of serving customers directly. Okay? This is extremely important. It's, it's a complex space. It's a super interesting space, uh, contrary to what people may believe. It's, it's really very cutting edge. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's touching every single aspect of finance today. If you do not have a legitimate way and a robust way to onboard and monitor uh, you know, your customers and the transactions that are related to your customers, you may very well facilitate anywhere from money laundering, terrorist financing, and generally fraud, which is clearly what you want to avoid. Yeah? Right. So we um, got an award, actually, by the Hong Kong government last year hmm. for our digital KYC. Right. Uh, we also got granted two patents for the method and process we use, which means that today we are the only uh, fully compliant and fully digital KYC process in Hong Kong. Wow. So that's a very, very important building block to, to our solution. Now, perhaps more important than anything else, let me take you through the journey from a customer point of view, because that's what matters. It's the customer experience, <laughs> okay? Um, so um, let's take the example of a business uh, because it's, it's the, the most complex of what's going on in the background, but yet we, we really simplify it a lot for customers. 
So uh, I mentioned this before, you, it's a purely online process. You go to our website, so need.hk is our website, mm-hmm. um, and you apply. It's a 10 minutes um, you know, application process. It's a pretty colloquial kind of you know, questions and answers. And um, effectively, depending on how you answer a particular question, the next question is going to be based on the prior answer. So kind of a smart decision tree, so to speak. Sure. We go through to profile our customers, to, to understand them, to basically eventually even risk score a customer. Um, and we do that in the lightest touch possible. Um, what I mean by this is that we do not, contrary to pretty much everybody else, ask customers to go and get you know certified true copies of their uh, article of association or um, uh, certificate of incorporation. Uh, why? Because we actually go and get them ourselves. Uh, what we've done, and it's, it's actually been a tall order to get this done, uh, is to integrate with the company registry here in Hong Kong to begin with. Wow. So other 20 other company registries across the world. And so whether it's a Hong Kong company to begin with, or it doesn't need to be a Hong Kong company, but more often than not, it's a Hong Kong company with some uh, you know, holding company somewhere else, or maybe even multiple holding companies. We have the ability to go up the food chain, if you will, and reconstruct the ultimate ownership, right? So there's this concept called the ultimate beneficial owner. That's right. It's very important for any compliance process to identify who the key individuals behind the company are, right? Okay, and we do so, but we don't put the onus on the customer. We do the work, right? And, and it's it's facilitating number one the application process from the customer. It's much easier. No, no need to scramble around and go and get these documents. By the way, spend money to get those documents. But just as importantly, because we connect to the real source of or the ultimate source of that data, we don't have to deal with the question: Is this a fake document that's been you know submitted to us or not? Right. So it's a lot more robust process. And so um, by the time you're done with the application, we then, you know, it takes us a little while to go and make sure that we, we download the, 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 the documents, we extract the data, and we basically reconstruct the, the ownership profile that then we verify versus whatever you told us, right, that, that, that uh, your ownership and directorship is like on your company. Right. As well as trying to understand the business that you're in. So this is really important because uh, there are clearly sanctioned countries that uh, we in Hong Kong, like in most other places and jurisdictions in the world, cannot deal with. And also, importantly, some industries that we cannot deal with. So the obvious ones are clearly, you know, guns, uh, gambling, the adult. But perhaps a more controversial one is cryptocurrency. Yes. Today, uh, though we get a ton of inquiries on that, unfortunately, guys uh, and ladies, we cannot onboard cryptocurrency-related businesses. Uh, this is because uh, we work with you know banking partners, and uh, unfortunately, and it's you know somewhat understandable in the way they operate, uh, they do not want to onboard any uh, companies linked to that um, sector. Hmm. That's uh, that's a shame, but I'm I'm sure that needle will move as well as uh, as the crypto ecosystem uh, starts to calm down a bit and actually uh, actually expand. Um, you know, David, what you said earlier was is fascinating to me. The fact that you're able to actually link into the company registry because I you know that 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 little act right there is is actually a, a quite a quite a quite a pain point for. For if you want to go open anything, because uh, then you have to basically, I've done this process many times where I have to go to my corporate services guy and I have to say, I need to, uh, I need a copy of the business, whatever. And then you have to pay for it <laughs> and then you yeah. have to mail it over to them and then they have to upload it into their system. Right. And so you basically sliced all of that out. Uh, is that, that's what you're saying. Is, am I accurate? Exactly. Because let's face it, the customer should not be bothered with that, right? right. Technology 
you should take care of these integrations. And of course, there should be compliance checks backed ultimately also by humans, right? Make no mistake. We have algorithms that put through and about 80% of our applications go through entirely automatically. But we have this traffic light system, right? So green light is entirely automatic. Red light, obviously, some sanction came up and we cannot proceed. But orange light is something that requires human intervention. And we have, you know, some, some of that happening, which is why we have a compliance department in-house that takes a look at that. Right. Okay. So let's continue with this user process. So I've submitted my uh, my application. You've connected to the registries. You've done the KYC. Everything checks out. Um, I'm good to go. So uh, an account is open, and I guess it's it's a it's a neat account. I guess it's not really called. Is it is it called a bank account or? It's not. It's a good point. So it's a neat business account for businesses or a neat personal account for for individuals. Right. So um, okay. So your account is open. Um, you're greeted with a, a very easy to use and intuitive, uh, beautiful dashboard, mm-hmm. uh, where amongst others you will find your own dedicated bank payment instructions in the name of your company. So what it means is that you, as, as a you know, company uh, director or founder, uh, you turn around and you give those you know, bank account number, uh, branch code, a SWIFT uh, code to your customers around the world, and they can pay you in the dedicated uh, account. Right. So uh, it's you know, a huge um, uh, advantage right, for companies because they get very legitimately um, their own dedicated payment instruction, just like you would with a normal bank account. Right, right, absolutely. The first step. Um, then on the back of that, once you receive money, we also enable our customers to make outbound bank payments. So those can be domestic payments here in Hong Kong or international payments. And when they are international, we give them the best exchange rate in the market. Uh, to be very candid, it's not that hard to be the best because banks just rip people off these days. <laughs> uh, so very competitive, right? So even by international standards. So uh, we do that. And last but not least, we, um, we have a partnership with MasterCard uh, where we give uh, corporate debit cards. So our customers can very easily issue those corporate cards for corporate expenses to any team members they may have around the world. Um, so it's very uh, you know, streamlined as a process, very intuitive, again, uh, via our dashboard. And so this is, you know, all in all, let's face it, it's a very simple kind of product, right? Like it's a current account of the sorts. You can receive money, you can pay money, you have cards, uh, and off you go. So that at heart is, is the basic uh, solution. But again, the majority of young companies, that's all they need, right? Like they don't need necessarily trade finance at the very beginning, which by the way, watch this space because that's coming. Um, they don't necessarily need insurance. Again, watch this space because it's coming. Uh, <laughs> they don't necessarily need you know, to borrow money. Again, watch this space because that's coming. But all I'm saying is that even the very basic product is a major you know, uh, advantage and, and really gets you into business. So, yeah, I mean, so two questions I have uh, just off of your base, off the, based off of your example here. So the first one is, if you are, say, a mom and pop shop or a online merchant, are you able to connect the neat business account with, say, a payment processor such as PayPal or maybe Stripe? Absolutely. Uh, so about 70% of our customer base is broadly defined in the e-commerce business. Mm-hmm. They receive payments via payment gateways, solutions that are really cool, like Stripe, as you mentioned, PayPal. We also have quite a few customers who are traders on the Amazon marketplace. Yes. So what we built is integrations with all these payment gateways that allows our customers to flash out the money that they have in these payment gateways to their need business account. 
and then in turn either make outbound uh, bank transfers, for example, to pay salaries or pay your suppliers, um, or indeed, you know, make payments via the neat business cards, right? So wherever MasterCard is accepted. Right. Okay. And then so you kind of just alluded to my second question, which was how do I get money out of this neat system? So yeah, so you have you have different routes, either bank transfers, domestic, international. So I can I can literally transfer from the neat business account into say my personal HSBC account if I wanted to. Yeah, absolutely, you can. Got it. Okay. So okay, and then so that leads me into to the sort of final question on the business model uh, on this side is basically, how is this? Uh, what like you know you talk about compliance and risk and this sort of thing. When it comes to money, uh, you know that money is being held somewhere, uh, and that that's not a bank, that's not a licensed bank, right? And so there's risk involved there. Um, you know what what's what are the risks there? Uh, obviously, for from a client perspective of let's say the you know I mean some of these small SMEs can can be, can be turning over quite a quite a large number you know amount of money. So there's some some risk, operational risk there, counterparty risk, this sort of thing. And then uh, and then just out of curiosity, how is you know how are you? Is there is there any legal issues of operating within the space of where you're kind of like a bank, but you aren't a bank? So thanks for raising the question. Right? The answer is that we are governed under the HKMA's umbrella. So this is the Hong Kong Monetary Authority's umbrella mm-hmm. via the SVF licensing. This is a stored value facility. I see. And for those of you who are familiar with the UK equivalent, that would be e-money licensing. Ah. So this is junior banking type of licensing. Okay. okay? Um, now, because of the guidance, and you can look them up, they're in the public domain, um, every uh, money that is stored under an SVF, and we have an official partner, there are 13 such licenses uh, ended out in Hong Kong, and one of the 13 is our official partner, they're called ePaylinks. Um, they have, by mandate by the uh, central bank, to the HKMA, they have to store any float, right? So any money that is in those accounts mm-hmm. with a licensed uh, bank here in Hong Kong, so in the trust account effectively, right? So ultimately, the money is actually held by a bank. It's just not in a traditional bank account. It's held under this stored value facility regime. Ah, okay. That makes sense. So if God forbid something goes wrong with us, right. or police, or anybody in the chain, your money as a customer is held in a trust account with a licensed bank here in Hong Kong. Got it. So no worries there. Nope. Okay, excellent. Fantastic. Um, that's great, David. Thank you for watch, walking us through that uh, that that example. It's it's very clear to me now um, the clear clear uh, solution that you guys are providing. Uh, just one last question, quickly on the business before uh, we move on to the next uh, section here. On the personal side of things, if let's say I was a personal client applying, um, I mean, I I, I assume that uh, obviously the, the the Mastercard function it would be pretty. Uh, it, let's say you you weren't able to open up a bank account, or maybe you have just moved here and you don't have you know a pay pay statement or this sort of thing. Um, I guess that that would be a, a very good solution for for someone that was looking to open up some sort of uh, bank quote unquote bank account. That's right. Um, so that's how we started, and what we noticed is that. Really, uh, our early adopters were entrepreneurs, and they were using that personal solution for a business uh, type of purpose, right? So that's mm-hmm. why we ended up designing Need Business. So the Need Personal Solution today has become a companion solution to the Need Business uh, account. Why and how? Um, See, so I'm sure you, 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 you've come across this kind of um, um, uh, way of behaving for, for young companies. A lot of young companies use freelancers yeah. to, for example, do marketing, design, software development, you name it. 
And a lot of these uh, freelancers, they live in emerging markets like Brazil, Ukraine, uh, Thailand, where invariably there are capital controls in those countries. So although we enable our new business customers to pay them via international bank transfers, for the individual, for the freelancer, when he or she gets paid, he or she often has to go to the bank branch to fill in some paperwork to pay local taxes. And it's very inconvenient. So instead, our company customers can tell them, look, you know, dear freelancer, why don't you open a neat personal account here in Hong Kong? Um, I'm going to pay you 24-7 that account. You're going to get your MasterCard and you can spend the money that way. So off you go. And it's much, much easier for everybody involved. And, and I, I, is there any sort of minimums that you need to keep as a personal uh, client, personal customer? No, we don't. So that's another aspect of financial inclusion, right? We don't have any minimum uh, amounts in the account. Okay. And then finally, sorry, I, I keep asking final questions here, but um, fees, what's the fee structure? And uh, and I guess that's basically the res- the revenue model is what I'm, I'm, I'm asking for. Sure. So, so uh, to be very clear, uh, any uh, account, whether it's personal or business, is free. Um, there are uh, some fees on the business solution. Uh, and this is how we eventually make some money. Uh, we uh, take a very small cut on uh, any outbound bank transfers, maybe domestic or international. Uh, for the business cards, so these, these uh, debit cards, the MasterCards, we have a fee for neat businesses. So whenever you need a corporate card, there is a 60 Hong Kong dollar fee per month mm. uh, on each card. Um, and, uh, and that's, again, where we generate some revenue. And last but not least, we have an affiliate um, program with MasterCard where, as you may know, whenever you use a, a card to pay, uh, there's a merchant fee, right? So the user doesn't get hit with a, with a, with a cost, but the merchant does. Right. And we take a small cut of that fee that the merchant uh, is charged. Ah. So well, that's a very aligned way of, of generating revenue. And that's, those are the three revenue lines we have today. Got it. That's great. Um, and and uh, yeah, yeah, no, that, that definitely sounds, this solution is, is, is quite revolutionary, particularly uh, in Hong Kong, but I can see how this can, this can actually uh, be adopted in, in many, many markets. So on that note, and, and you kind of dropped a few <laughs> hints earlier, what do you guys have uh, exciting planned in the pipeline? What are you guys looking to work on in the coming 12 to 18 months? Um, anything exciting that you want to share with the audience? Sure. So actually, as a friend from the oven, it's been announced yesterday by Xero, the online accounting software. Uh, we have a formal partnership now with Xero, um, whereby nice. the the first ones as a non-bank to use their uh, new API feeds. What, what it means is that our business customers are going to enjoy what we've been actually uh, doing for ourselves, uh, which means any money coming in or going out of your new business account is automatically pushed to your books and records. And I don't mean um, what a lot of people do, unfortunately, out there with these uh, accounting systems. They put the logo of the accounting system on the website, and really what it is, it's a CSV file export that you need to re-upload. This is a real true link uh, and, and a push through to your you know, accounting books and records. So it's a huge time saver. Wow. And this kind of uh, features is definitely what we're continuing to work on because ultimately our motto is that we are entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. I mean, we have gone through the pains and continue to go through the pains of building a business. So we think we have a pretty good understanding of what you know, founders go through with their companies. And we know that one of the rarest commodities is time. So you shouldn't be wasting your time on like, you know, dealing with payments, banking, financial related matters. You should just focus on, on, your, on your business and we help you do that. So that's one thing. The other is that 
Uh, you may have read in the press uh, a couple of months ago now that we've done a uh, funding round uh, led by Linear Venture, which is a very exciting uh, venture capital fund out of Shanghai. Yes. Uh, and as uh, two white guys, as founders, raising money from Chinese feet, <laughs> I can tell you. Uh, so we're extremely proud and very, very happy of doing that. And that is actually opening up the doors to the China mainland China market for us, which is extremely exciting because there's a ton of businesses in China who are looking to go global, and Hong Kong is the obvious choice. Uh, so no surprise that we are opening an office in Shenzhen. Um, and, and there's a lot of real great activity between Hong Kong and Shenzhen now. Um, so big expansion from a, from a geographical point of view as well for us. That is that is huge news. Uh, congratulations again on that funding round, and you basically are going after the big fish now, David. You're going, you're going uh, right into China. So um, that's that's definitely very commendable. The what you guys have accomplished, and and we're definitely certainly going to track your progress here um, going forward. Uh, last two questions, and thank you again for the time and for walking us through. Um, it's a very, very exciting business. And um, being from Hong Kong myself and having gone through this frustrating pain point of opening a bank, business bank account a number of, number of times, I'm just uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see how you guys do. And, and obviously, I'll be cheering for you. Um, uh, last two questions. Uh, as uh, second to last question is basically, you know, you're uh, now you're quite a seasoned entrepreneur, but you've been on the other side. You've been uh, had a career in finance, a career in the on the buy side, um, and now you're building a business, which I imagine is probably the hardest of the three uh, parts of your career that you've ever done. Um, what sort of advice would you give to someone? Let's say they were stuck in in the banking rat race, uh, hamster wheel, and they wanted to get out, and maybe. They they're they're hear hear this podcast and are inspired by your story. Uh, what what one piece could, of advice could you leave for for our listeners today? Um, so uh, it's a great question, by the way. Thanks for asking it um, because that's that's where it gets really very real. <laughs> um, so if you are in banking and and you're having wet dreams about you know going and doing <laughs> you know your own stuff and becoming your own boss, which is you know the grass is always greener. Make no mistake, this is going to be the most brutal experience and life-changing um, you know, adjustment you're ever going to have um, in terms of professional move. Um, it is humbling. It is uh, costly. Um, and if you do not have what I call personal runway ahead of you, which more often than not doesn't only depend on you, right? You, chances are that someone you got married, you got family. And if your lifestyle is one where you have to keep up with some appearances and there's nothing right or wrong in that. Just, you know, it's a choice and maybe the choice of your better half. Um, you're going to have a real hard time adjusting because you may luck out, right? Like you, you, you jump um, uh, from, from the, uh, the, the corporate world into the entrepreneurship world and you just, you know, hit the ground running and, and you're an instant overnight success. I haven't seen many of those, by the way, but it can happen. The reality is that you're going to have to go through a grind that's going to, you know, literally, um, you know, slim you down. Uh, and, and humble you, humble you enormously and make you realize that the networks of people, connections, and all this ego, for lack of a better word, that was driving a lot of everyday life is worthless. <laughs> it's a real world out there. You have to rebuild your own personal brand along with your own you know, company's brand. Um, and it's, it's a very satisfying thing to see uh, you know, uh, come to fruition. And, and we're still going through it, to be very honest, right? But it's it's um, really reinvigorating because you're actually doing something that's a lot real, a lot more real, a lot more tangible than than you know working for a lot larger corporation. But it is debilitating, I have to tell mm-hmm. you. I mean, the, the 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 ultimate thing I would say to this is that if you're not comfortable about the concept of a pivot, which is 
effectively changing course for your business plan uh, because something has not been working out, then really think more than twice about about jumping uh, you know ship because it is not about saying sir yes sir and following instructions. It's about having the guts, for lack of a better word, uh, of following your instinct and 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 finding product market fit. Right, and it's easily said than done. It's, every entrepreneur has gone through it at some point, and I think it's the most for me for sure has been the most difficult adjustment over the years. Wow, that's very uh, that's very real real advice, uh, and uh, thank you for sharing that with us, um, man. It's been it's been really good, uh, you know, hearing about your company and your journey, uh, David. So thank you again for the time. The last question is simply, uh, where can people find you or follow you or connect with you and learn a little bit more about either you, you as, a, as an entrepreneur or, or your company, Neat? Sure. So uh, first of all, obviously our website, uh, neat.hk, um, and find me on LinkedIn. I think it's the best way to, to reach me if we don't know each other already. Fantastic. Well, uh, thanks again, David. And, you know, it's, it's uh, it, again, I, I have a soft spot for Hong Kong-based entrepreneurs because I'm, I lived here, I've, I've lived here for uh, not nearly as long as you, but close, 13 years myself. So I always like to, to uh, see uh, really good startups uh, and, and, um, and people that are actually changing the world here. So uh, best of luck to you, David. We're definitely going to be cheering you on. And, um, and yeah, we're looking forward to hearing more good news about your company. Thanks, Jay. It's been a pleasure. All right. Take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The J. Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hack Your Fitness, the high achiever's guide to getting ripped in under three hours a week. If you're anything like me, you're probably working a full-time job or jobs and trying to find time to balance family life, social life, and last but not least, fitness. Look, I get it. I'm a full-time investor and entrepreneur myself and father of two. So how am I able to stay fit year-round without spending hours and hours in the gym killing myself on the cardio machine? After struggling for the last 15 years trying every workout and diet under the sun, I finally designed a system that allows me to achieve and maintain single-digit body fat for life in under three hours a week. Cardio not required. Head on over to hackyour.fitness and download my free 13-page guide that teaches you the simple science behind efficient fitness and smart nutrition and gives you everything you need to know to finally take control of your life. That's hackyour.fitness. Yeah.